Good morning, everyone. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak here today. Um, it means a lot to us, uh, the SAIL team as well. And um, basically, um, for myself, a little bit about myself first. I'm a, I've been a youth leader here at VCBC, part of EDGE Group, for about seven years. And I help out with some of the Sunday school as well, the life groups here. And I've been doing that for the past four years. And uh, I was born and raised at this church. And um, as Alfred mentioned, we've been going to SAIL. And we've been really blessed to have the opportunity to go to SAIL and serve there for the past five years. Um, he mentioned that the reserve is uh, located on Vancouver Island, and it's about, it's about 10 minutes away from downtown Victoria, and it takes approximately about an hour and a half to get there from VCBC. Uh, this year, from the video, you can notice that we had a pretty large team. We had about 50 people that went with us this year, and they included high school-aged youth, uh, post-secondary, young adults, uh, career adults, and there's two families that came with us with, along with their children. And we ran a VBS, or a Vacation Bible School camp, for, from August the 14th to August the 19th. So today my hope for all of you is not to only enlighten you on how God has been guiding DCBC in this one specific mission, but also to challenge each and every one of you to be transformed as we have been through this experience. Um, so before I get down into the meat of what, we're gonna, what I'm going to talk about in the passage of scripture I want to explore, I want to get into the context of the culture a little bit first. So the population that we went to the, of the reserve is about 1,600 people, and a third of that population is registered band members, and the other two-thirds are people that lease the land from landowners, or they're non-registered uh, band members. Um, the reserve is about 600 acres in approximate size, and there's different types of developments on the reserve. So there's, as you can see, there's residential homes, there's module homes and RV parks, there's commercial development, so there's motels, restaurants, offices, gas stations, and even a McDonald's on the land. We frequently went to the McDonald's because we actually need to steal their Wi-Fi, because we actually had a website while we were there, so that... VCBC, you guys could pray for us while we were there and see how we were interacting with the kids. So we had a website that was actually up there as well. If you're interested, there's still the website's always going to be up, so you can take a look at it. It's up on there as well. <clears throat> so there's been some changes in the past few years that we've been going. Um, there's now a community center that's been built. It's called the Gathering Strength Community Facility, and it's got a gym, offices, weight room, and all that kind of stuff. And it just so happened that the week that we were going, they were holding an event that's an annual event called the 14th Annual Coast Salish Games. And in the gym was actually the hockey tournament portion of the tournament. So they had under 14 and under 17 youth play in this hockey tournament while we were there. And there's also other events across the island. So there was canoe, po canoe polling and there was also soccer. But we went at those events. <clears throat> So now I want to focus on the, build, the building that our team got very familiar with while we were there. So that's the church. Uh, the church, five years ago we went to the church. So some of these pictures are five years old. Uh, we went there to, and our mission objective was to paint the inside and the outside of the church. And just to beautify the area around the church. Uh, the church was originally located in downtown Victoria before 1994. So how did it just end up 20 kilometers away one day. So what happened was, in September of 94, the church was actually dismantled from its original location, and it was brought to its current location through the bay by a barge. 
and the foundation of the church had to be rebuilt and a new roof had to be put over it. And because of God's will, the passion of several people, and the church was, this church has resided in Seo over 17 years. And the land that the church sits on top of now is actually protected. It's protected by what's called a certified parcel of land. So that means the band can never take possession of it. And it was willed in Pastor Bernie's name. Uh, her, Pastor Ben, Pastor Moses, and Pastor Marco are the leaders of Sale Assembly of Praise Church. So we might remember Pastor Moses. Uh, he came several weeks ago and we heard him speak. He is one of our mission partners who we support. Anyway, from their church, apart from their typical Sunday worship services, um, their Sunday school, their prayer meetings, and their youth group events, they also have a couple different or special events as well. They also provide free bread every Wednesday that's provided from Cobbs, and they also provide free haircuts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, they also provide community dinners every third Sunday of every other month. So while we were there, our team was actually in charge of the community dinner the second last evening that we were there and you can see how we kind of have some pictures there <coughs> of uh, the celebration there so the church is a place of gathering for those who are hungry and they're hunting for a meal it's a place for those who are crying and for someone it's for those who are crying for someone to share their hurts and their pains with and it's also a place that they are it's also a place for those who are searching for comfort and healing this place, this church, is also a place where we got very familiar with while we were there because not only did we worship there, hold the VBS there, cook and eat there, we, didn't, we also made crafts there, we played activities both inside and outside the church, but we also slept there in the evenings as well. So this was our home for the week that we were there, and the only exception was we took our showers at the local community center. So now that we have a bit of the culture and the context of where we went, I felt called this week to share a specific passage with all of you to use, and to use the stories of Sayout to explore this passage with the hope that it will resonate with your hearts. Uh, this is a record in the Bible after an, expert asked, after an expert in the law asked Jesus how he could obtain eternal life. And then Jesus responded with this parable. So if you guys want, you can open up to Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37. It will be up on the PowerPoint, but we'll, it will be good if you want to refer to it as well. <clears throat> so in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side too so too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him he passed by on the other side but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I personally enjoy parables a lot because the stories are layered, and after years of hearing the same stories, you can still identify yourself with different characters at different points in your life. 
Jesus was a great storyteller, and the stories he told still teach lessons today. They teach lessons for future generations and all people from different walks of life. So the first point goes, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This man could represent anyone traveling on the journey of life. If we were to relate this to present day, this person could represent all of us, some stage in our life before or after Christ. I believe this is symbolic for how this man's life is headed in a downward direction in life, whether he knows it or not. Have you ever felt like you were going through a rough patch in life and had no control over what was happening to you? Are you suffering with sin or broken relationships or unfortunate circumstances with health or with a job? In sale, one of the arguments of why the children are so hardened and reckless is that they're surrounded by this lifestyle. This is the debate of nature versus nurture. The shame of residential schooling and the unresolved trauma that still impacts second and third generational adults. For those of you who are familiar with residential schooling, this is a dark part of Canada's history where the government actually forced the assimilation of First Nations people. Students would be taken from their homes for nine to ten months and they would be forced to a school that was similar to a boarding school. And the purpose was to convert these children to Christianity and to assimilate their languages and culture. They were prohibited from speaking their own languages even amongst themselves and they had to learn English and French and they were subject to punishment if they spoke their own languages. As a result, we have generation after generation of First Nations who have been impacted by the denial of their identity, belief and lies and myths of First Nations people, shame, poor self-esteem, the family silent about the past, this communication difficulties, there's expectations that they're going to be judged negatively, they might have controlling fathers, experience racism, violence and abuse in the family, sexual abuse, and alcoholism. The challenges of living on a reserve are immense, and as a result, there have been teenage suicides, countless youth run away at a young age, and many turn to alcohol and drugs, drug use at a young age. And this all happens when people live without hope. And that, all the, and that this happens when people live without hope and all they know is that their life is going downhill. So I remember when we first started going to sale five years ago, Pastor Moses said that year he held five funerals. Most of those funerals weren't for, pe- weren't for people passing away from old age, but it was because of overdose and suicides. So children have to witness and endure these things regularly. During one of the evenings when our team would gather and worship together and share with each other how we experience God, one of the team members shared what happened that morning. And that morning, as he and another team member were walking one of the kids home to pick her, up, to pick her sister up, all of a sudden she pointed at a telephone pole and told them, that's where a man killed himself. They were stunned for a few seconds. Then they asked the kid if she knew who that man was. She replied, yeah, I do because it was her cousin. They asked her why her cousin decided to kill himself, and she replied, it was because he had been tired of living. What saddened us the most wasn't the fact that these were, these were words that no 11-year-old girl should ever say, but the fact that we had known this particular girl for three years, and we never heard this story from her before. We can never think that we know these kids well enough, because there's always something more to their lives. We can't stop building these relationships. They need to know that there's hope in this world. 
He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Just previous to this teaching, Jesus told us in John 10.10, The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. On his way down the road, this man falls into the hand of thieves or his own personal demons. And their goal is and was to steal. So strip him of his clothes, kill, leaving him half dead, destroy, beat him and went away. Have you ever felt like the world was all against you? Why things are getting bad and going from bad to worse? We don't understand why things occur to us and we try to understand God's greater purpose for us, but it's not that simple. While we are at sale, even though we're still in Canada, we're still in BC, we're in a foreign environment. The culture is quite different and sometimes we forget while we're there that the people aren't the same. They have hurts and needs that many of us can't imagine. The things we witness and experience in a week are typical days for the children. While we are there, things go missing or they get broken. We've, we've experienced break-ins and vandalism. We've been sworn at, spat at, and had rocks thrown at us. However, this year, even though we received our share of bumps and bruises, it was probably one of the smoothest years in terms of bullying and rebellious behavior. Some of the children that week were visiting their biological fathers and mothers, and when they found out that we were there for the week, they decided to stay in town instead of going back home. We had one of the largest turnouts this year of over 70 children over the course of the week. Sometimes even in the midst of this chaos, God shows his strength by working through it. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. This guy is like a churchgoer or a church leader who might be too involved with the logistics and not the relationship with others. It shows that he's also heading down the same road, heading down the same path of destruction. He believes he's trying to follow the law perfectly, but he's doing it without grace and mercy. So he doesn't have any room to help a fallen or a wounded man. How often do you go about your regular days, schedules, avoiding eye contact with strangers, avoiding small talk? How many of us are uncomfortable with being silent and being alone? So we whip out our cell phones, we text, we listen to music through earphones, or we talk on the phone in a crowded SkyTrain. It's bizarre and it's unsettling when you reach out to strangers, isn't it? I think one of the most things about I think one of the most interesting things about sale is that when you go there, you really have to make an effort to open yourself up and make an effort to reach out. You have to prepare for every, possible, every worst possible case scenario that might occur, yet hope for the best. As I mentioned earlier, yeah, there's tough situations but that we have to be prepared for. But for the most part, a lot of the youth are very, very cute, and they're actually very receptive to us. So we try to engage the children with creative programs, and yet we're not phased when something comes up and we have to change our plans and change up the schedule. Our sole intention to be there isn't to convert children into believers, especially because there's so many negative connotations to do with the church from residential schooling. So we encourage the team members to, build, to be friends and to build genuine relationships with the kids by showing the love of Jesus. 
if we had afternoon games planned that week or that day, but the children wanted to spend time with certain team members and go to the beach and flip rocks over looking for crabs, then that's what they did. If we had afternoon crafts set up, but the children wanted to go blackberry picking with some of the team members, then that's what they'll spend the next three hours doing. We found some of the greatest opportunities to share about life and faith was during these unplanned walks. Are you aware of the people around you and how you can build a genuine loving relationship with them? The priest had nothing to offer the wounded man because he neglected putting the time into building a relationship. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. This Levite had nothing to offer the man either. Why not? Maybe because he thought he couldn't or wasn't capable. Or maybe he thought, hey, I'm just one guy, what can I do? How many of us can admit that a lot of our time and our thoughts are self-focused? Can we admit that sometimes in the midst of our lives, we pretend not to see the brokenhearted, or we forget about the ones left behind in society? It's just like the song by Brandon Heath, Give Me Your Eyes. When we, go, when we go about our daily schedule and our lives during the week, how often do we bother to care for people around us? The lyrics ask for God to give us His eyes so that we can have our hearts break for what breaks His. Let me read one of the verses. Lord, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. What I find that's so interesting about mission, mission opportunities or opportunities for mission trips is that a lot of them, a lot of time they're overseas. They can be both long-term and they can be short-term. Um, but there's always opportunities to serve. But our first year in sale, when we went to go paint the church, we didn't even know there were children in the community. It wasn't until the second year when we went, we noticed that, whoa, there are children here. And we were in it for a rude awakening when we tried to run the VBS camp the same way we ran it here at VCVC. Um, Just like the Levite might have thought, we were scared. What are we going to do in this situation? But through a leap of faith, God showed us how we can learn from our mistakes. And God had opportunities for us to serve in our own backyard. Sail so close that we can make a day trip there, and that would mean the world to the children there. So how many times... Do we ask God for opportunities to share or serve, but when we neglect to realize that we're in the midst of it? Maybe we're meant to be witnesses in our schools, or our work, or in our places of extracurricular activities. Maybe we don't, look too, maybe we don't have to look too far to see those that are broken, lost, and forgotten. We just need to open our eyes and see what God sees. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. When I first learned this story, as a child, I understood that the Samaritan, he was a good guy. However, I don't think that's the point of this parable. The whole point of this parable, I think, is once again for Jesus to show that the only way to eternity to heaven is through him. The Samaritan is none other than Jesus himself. Only God is truly good. And if this is a good Samaritan, then this must be Jesus. Notice how even the actions of the Samaritan is the same as the good shepherd. During this time, during Jesus' time on earth, he related himself to Jews, Gentiles, and sinners. And he's the redeemer of all three alike. 
He seeks out the wounded, and the wounded are those who have fallen into Satan's traps. And Jesus meets them wherever they may have fallen, beside the road. So he took pity on them. In other texts, it says he had compassion. I think sometimes we have to be taken away from our everyday normal situation, our living situation, and notice how there are people in the world that are in pain or they're hurting. They might be acting out or they might be rough around the edges. But when it's all stripped away, these people simply need compassion. One of the things we had to prepare for when we went to sail were the bad kids. But we only referred to them as the big kids so they wouldn't know. So big kids are definitely more challenging to teach and to mentor. They might be a bit fouler with their language. They might be more aggressive with each other. Sometimes they might be aggressive with us. They might also try to purposely break the rules and make a mess in order to raise attention to themselves. But something happened this year with the big kids. This year, they opened up to us and they allowed us to step into their world and see the world through their eyes. The big kids asked us to watch their hockey games and they actually looked forward to seeing us in the stands cheering them on. Some of the guys stayed with us for dinner and they experienced authentic Chinese food that we made. On one of the evenings, <laughs> on one of the evenings, one of our leaders had to help actually one, on one of the evenings one of our leaders had to help one of the boys look for his water bottle and he was invited into his home. And our leader was shocked. He was shocked at the condition of the home and the state that it was in. It wasn't just messy, but it was dirty. The cupboards in the kitchen was only had canned food. There were piles of garbage, not just outside the house, but also inside the house. Half of the bed was covered in clutter. So the environment that they live in doesn't allow for a home life. This is something that the youth live with every day. But our leader, he only simply got a taste for several minutes of what the actual living conditions are of someone who lives on this reserve. When he witnessed all that, immediately he had compassion. A lot of the kids there, they might act out because they're seeking attention from their parents or from their friends. But when they came to our camp, they were seeking attention at first, but I think they can also expect us to care about them. We would invite them to join our program or meals, we would make time so that we could play baseball or soccer or basketball with them. So we used Jesus' love as our motivation, and the only thing we could do was accept them for who they were and to be a friend. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. When I read this, I believe that the inn represents the Holy Spirit. In the olden days, people would travel long distances on foot. It wasn't like today where you could travel in a car or an RV. You can sleep in the comfort of your own bed uh, and a locked door. Back then, some people had to sleep outside, and it was dangerous due to the elements, animals, and in our story today, thieves or robbers. So an inn provided two things. It provided shelter from the elements, but most importantly, it provided security. The innkeeper could lock down the premise and shut, down the, shut the gates so that the guests inside would be safe. And in this sense, the inn protects the occupants from evil. I believe that Sale Assembly of Praise Church represents the inn in a way. It's protected by the Holy Spirit, like I mentioned earlier. It's got a parcel of, it's, it's got a parcel of land that's protected. And the community, it's also seen as a safe place where both the young and the old can come. While we were there, most of the mornings there were elderly women that would come in and they would bead necklaces and 
feed other things relentlessly all morning until after lunch. Sometimes even until we had the, sometimes it would beat all day until we had to close the doors. And children, they would filter in at different times of the day throughout the week. Since we've been coming to Sayo for the past five years, we've noticed a positive attitude in how they view the church, in how they view the church now. In fact, this year we found out that their new chief is actually a Christian. He's actually he was a born Christian. We we pray that he we pray that he will be able to continue to change the attitudes of the people who live there and how they view Jesus. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This, I believe, is Jesus foreshadowing that he'll depart after his death and resurrecting or in resurrection. And it speaks on how he will reimburse and repay his, upon his return in the second coming. The good, the good Samaritan leaves the innkeeper in charge of watching over the man. We are like that innkeeper, with Jesus telling us to show compassion to the broken, lost, and forgotten. And our team got this experience in sale. And our team got this experience in sale where we continue to show compassion and develop loving relationships. So before I issue the challenge for each of us, take a look inside your heart and see who you are. Are you the man walking down in life without Christ or falling into Satan's trap? Are you the priest who follows the law but you're too busy to care? Are you the Levite who's too scared to take a leap of faith and make a mistake? Or are you the innkeeper continuing the work of Jesus? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This all falls with the greatest commandment that has two parts. Matthew 22, 37-39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This story today is all about Jesus. And it's not just a story about a good guy doing the right thing or being a nice guy. Just like how today, me sharing with you guys about our mission team isn't about showing compassion to just one specific place for a specific duration of time for a specific type of people, but it's about how Jesus builds relationships with us and through us. So I want to challenge all of you today to take one step forward. Who do you need to become aware of and reach out to compassion to? Who is your neighbor? So now, I believe Sarah, one of our team members, is going to share uh, one of her experiences at sale. Hello, can you hear me? Is this on? <laughs> um, 
I was very privileged to be on the food food crew at uh, Say Out this summer and um, just wanted to say thank you for praying for the team and um, that you would continue to pray for this community. Um, I hear that there is darkness and evil that is actually beyond our comprehension that is being let loose in this community um, even at this time. If you know of anyone who went to say out, I would encourage you to ask them how they experience God in this community also. Um, each one of them has something valuable to share about their personal encounter with the heart of Jesus. And I'm only one of them here to share this story with you today and to encourage you to testify, to encourage you and to testify the goodness of God. Um, this year, something that belonged to me was intentionally broken during the trip, and the youth who did it, I think he could have been angry, bored, or desired attention in some way, and I was actually really sad um, because of his reaction, and I knew that his reaction was something within himself. Um, it was something powerful enough for him to bring destruction on someone else's possession, um, initially, I was really bothered by what had happened, and it kind of added extra stress to the already busy schedule in the kitchen. Um, but I also found that I didn't have to walk it alone. Uh, the team was, there was always someone who was quick to help out and be gracious to us, and there was lots of teamwork, um, lots of forgiveness and encouragement. Um, we burnt a lot of food at Seahound also. Um, on the last day, the youth came up to me with Pastor Moses to apologize, and I had the opportunity to chat with him briefly and get to know him. I know that was a big step for him to apologize because he really had no obligation to Pastor Moses or to any of us um, at Stay Out because we only go there once a summer for one week each time. And I also believe that forgiveness came easier to this youth um, for me because of the team and how they showed graciousness to me. And they were Jesus to me um, through the week. And it was only because of them that I was able uh, to uh, have the strength to forgive this child. Um, coming back home and looking back, and just reflecting upon this incident, I think Jesus taught me that without him, I'm not any different from any of those in the community of Stay Out. Um, I know that in my anger and my callousness to those around me, I'm capable of creating just as much destruction or even more. Um, what was broken was only a material thing. But I think that in the darkness of my heart, the destruction that I can create uh, can come in the form of hurtful words or judgmental attitude, and it can be hurtful to someone for a lifetime. And I know that there are many days when I'm lacking and fall so short of being who Christ has called me to be. Um, yet in the midst of my shortcomings, Jesus has... The first thing that Jesus says to me is that I love you. And I think Jesus says that to each one of us here. And he says that to every child and every senior and every adult at Seyot. Um His forgiveness for each one of us is truly complete um, when we admit our wrong and attempt to make things right. Jesus says that it is finished. It is sealed and stamped, never to be looked at again, discussed or mentioned. 
and only in my understanding of my desperate need for Jesus to forgive me that I can only learn, only start to learn what forgiveness means and how to extend it to others. Um, I've also learned that Jesus' forgiveness is immediate and quick to reconcile. I know that this is also his heart for the people at SEO, and he desires everyone to be forgiven of their past shame and guilt so that we may live our lives with confidence, full of purpose for his glory, and in a community of brothers and sisters that understand the beauty in the broken. Uh, There are many people who are hurting all around us in this room, in our families, friends, classmates, colleagues, and everywhere. And maybe sometimes we ourselves might feel that we are hurt and wounded and ashamed of our own lives too. Um, Today we might be feeling that we have failed him again. Um, I hope that all of us will never ever stop coming to the foot of Jesus' cross as a community to experience his strong and awesome love for each of us. Like this youth at Seyout, um, let us also go to Jesus and find his loving kindness to each of us rather than running or hiding. And even in the midst of our brokenness, may we care to point others to Jesus who is our great physician, whether it be with the people of Seyout or anyone else that God puts on your heart. Um, Anthony is going to be sharing next. Hello? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Um, so when Lewis asked me to share, he, uh, he asked me to keep it brief. Um, and I said, sure, no problem. Give me a minute. Um, so it turns, out, it turns out it's a lot harder than I thought to, to try to sum up all our experiences and feelings into 60 seconds. Um, you know, like, what do I say? Do I try to pick one thing that I really like and talk about it? Or do I um, generalize it so it's simpler for you guys to understand? Um, I think, in a way, it's it's like it's very similar to um, how we share the gospel with others. And um, when we're trying to share how awesome our God is, we sometimes we ask ourselves, um, "What should I say, or uh, what should I do to show how awesome our God is?" Um, but I think there's this verse in the Bible. It's from First uh, John, or it's just no, it's from John. Um, it's right after uh, Jesus predict, predicts his betrayal. Um, See. Scripture says, A new command I give to you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Um, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Um, so today I want to share with you a song. Um, this is the song of response for today. Um, it reminds me when I'm at Sayout um, that it doesn't matter if, if you're out of your comfort zone or if you're totally ready to get into it and let God shine through you. I think um, it helps me remember that the important thing is to show um, love. Um, a friend reminded me this week um, that faith without love is nothing. So um, this is one verse in this song. It's the third verse. I don't know if you can put it up for me, Auntie Angie. Um, 
says, Children, you are hope for justice. Stand firm in the truth now. Set your hearts above. Um, you will be reaching long after we're gone, and they will know you by your love. And my hope in my prayer is that... Um, my hope in my prayer is that... Um, the love that we've shown through um, whatever we're doing at Seattle, that um, while we're, say, blackberry picking or crab digging, um, that, that that love would rub off on them and that they would go um, and spread it throughout their community so that um, people will know Jesus through their love.
by your love.